0: Right, we tried this last week um, he, was, he was a little too good so um, I want I want to warn you um, I'm gonna give you another like lightning round just to prepare this you one is a little questions. it's a little more um, it's a little tougher okay the Bible isn't necessarily as clear about these answers as oh. uh, we might want them to be okay give so what you got first question let's go all the way back to Genesis did Adam and Eve ever have a date Mm. I'm going to say no, no dates, just an apple. That's absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. No dates. Just an apple. Okay. Nice try though. All right. Last question. I'll, I'll keep it short this okay. uh, this week. Um, stay in Genesis. Why didn't Noah go fishing when he was on the ark? Why didn't Noah go fishing when he was on the ark? I'm going to say Noah didn't go fishing when he was on the ark because, honestly, he only had two worms. It's too good. You didn't want to use those worms. (laughs) You can't use those worms. Nice try, though, man. We'll see you next week. You got it. My man. (laughs) How about about Jason with some questions right there and the worship team bringing it? We love our worship team and and how God is using our team to lead us in a time of song and uh, praise. We're thankful for that. Go ahead and use those jokes this week and hopefully they do as well as that just did, all right? Um, We started a new series this past week, um, last Sunday here at Walk Church that we've been calling Asking for a Friend. Finding answers to tough questions. Hundreds of thousands of times on social media you'll see this hashtag asking for a friend trending on social media as people have questions they really want to ask but they don't want to ask it for themselves. Uh, So they just say, hey, you know what, I'm just asking for a friend. And I think sometimes we even do that with with the Bible. We we look at God's word, this holy book, this exhaustive book of God's words to us. So much grace and so much wisdom in his book. And we talked about last week what this book of his scriptures consists of. And I encourage you to look at that message when you get a chance at walkchurch.com. Um, But sometimes we have questions that have to do with the Bible. And so we realized this. And so in the month of March, we asked you all, we asked our church, if you had tough questions that you would love to have our preaching team answer from God's word, what would those questions be? And all throughout the month, you guys text in questions. You wrote on cards questions, some really awesome questions, a few strange questions. And we compiled them all up. And we said, all right, what's the top questions that our church wants to know about and we came up with five. Five questions that were the most popular. I'll go ahead and read them to you uh, right now. Here's the questions in no particular order that you guys wanted to know about. What happens to us when we die? How does a person know for sure that they are saved? Uh, What does the Bible say about homosexuality? How can we hear from God and not just ourselves? And what does the Bible say about relationships? Things like dating and marriage and friendships and things like that. And so these are the questions that you guys asked for us to answer. Uh, One in particular, uh, oftentimes when you ask the question, how does a person know if they're saved? It would be followed by, um, for example, people of other faiths and other religions too. So we tied that in there and If we end up getting to that moment, then we will get to it. But the main question that people, some people just put a card that said salvation. Some people put a card that said, I want to make sure I'm saved. Some people said, does the Bible give me security? How do I know that I know? And so these are some different questions that are on our agenda for the next five weeks. Last week, we answered the question, how can we hear from God? And we talked thoroughly about making sure, before we answer any of these questions, we know that there are answers to the questions from God. And before we went any further, we wanted to to say, hey, well, how can we hear from him and make sure we know that we're hearing from him and not just hearing our own self or hearing last night's pasta or something that is not from him, right? We wanna make sure we hear his voice. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that message because I believe it was profound and it was deep, it was deep for me. I needed to hear the own message that God gave me upon hearing God's word. And I hope that you've heard him deeper because of that and you've gotten into his word and have dug deep because of it. Uh, I gave you a couple disclaimers that I'm just going to mention one more time really quick. Uh, One disclaimer is that the person that you're looking at is just the mailman, right? What's the mailman's job? According to the dictionary, the mailman's job is to faithfully deliver the mail. I believe that God has given us his mail. It's for you and I. And the person in front of you is a servant from the Lord here to deliver his mail. I'm not here to share my opinion. I'm not here to share what I think is to be true. I'm here to share the truth based upon his word. Does that make sense? Amen. It's not my agenda. It's not my thoughts. It's not your thoughts. It's not our opinions. It's us taking our deep questions and saying, God, speak. And I pray that we can faithfully hear his voice through his Word. The other thing that I disclaimed with last week was what I call the Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine box. Alright, you gotta have a box in your life. Just imagine a box, alright, and on the front of it, on the label it says D E U T period twenty nine, colon twenty nine. Alright, and here's what goes into that box. I'll read the verse to you. Let's go ahead and look at it on the screen. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law." Here's what this verse tells me, just plainly. There are things that we're not going to have answers to. There are going to be things in this life that we're going to scratch our head. We're going to ask this question and say, Lord, why? Or, Lord, what about? Or, Lord, I need this answer. And there's sometimes going to be a Deuteronomy 29 answer. And God's going to say, hey, the secret things belong to me. But what I have revealed to you is for you and your family, for his glory, and for your joy. And I believe he's revealed to us much. Amen? Yes. I, I, I know that I still have much to learn about when it comes to God and his word and his character and his attributes and his goodness. And he's revealed those things to us. But there are some times, like, like I shared last week, like wisdom teeth. I still don't understand why God gave them to us. Right? Like they just grow in to be taken out. But they're there. And so, God, I'm just going to say, like, Lord, I don't understand it always. Like, for me, cilantro. <laughs> it makes no sense why God created it. I know, I'm going to get some booze for that right there. Well, well, one just, one little centimeter cilantro, I have a sneeze attack. And I'm like, so why do you even make it, Lord? Because it's about me, right? Yeah. Um, some people are like, dump it on, dump it on. I put the cilantro in my Deuteronomy 29 box. It's just my personal thing, all right? No judgment here at Walk Church. All right? So let's go ahead and uh, enter into this week's question um, that we decided to answer today at Walk Church. We're going to get through all five. You just don't know when they're coming, so that means you've got to be here for every week. Amen? Uh, the, 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 answer that, the question that we're going to answer today is this. How can I know if I'm saved? H- how can I know that I know that I know I'm saved. This seems to be a big question on people's hearts. I went to Google this week, and I put, how can I, and I filled it in with you, know that I'm saved. (laughs) People Google in this question, and there's probably a better way to find the answer. People want to know this question. People want to have security, amen? Like there's just something about us inwardly that we want to feel secure and if there's anything that we should be secure upon, it should be eternity. Because eternity is a long, long time. And after you, you exhaust the longness, it gets longer. All right? It never ends. It's eternity. And so there's certain things you can miss it on and you can re- try again. Not on eternity. Right? And so we thought this is an important question for us to dig our heels into today And ask this powerful question. But the reality is this is not just a powerful question. This is a biblical question. This is a question that the authors of the Bible have challenged us to ask ourselves. Because it's an important question that we don't want to miss. For example, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Let's look at this verse together. Paul writes to the Corinthian church as God has inspired for walk church? He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. He says, test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Exclamation point. Bold letter. God speaking through the apostle Paul. He says, Corinthian church, right? He's not writing to the Corinthian city. This is a letter written to a church. And he's telling the church members there. He's saying, saints in Corinth. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. To make sure that you are actually who you say you are. To make sure you're in the faith. One of the things I think that could be the worst thing to happen to a person is for them to be deceived on the issue of eternity. Right? Like, what a terrible ploy of the enemy, the devil. What what a horrific thing to be deceived into, into your eternal destination. One of my favorite movies you guys hear me quote oftentimes is the movie Home Alone, right? I love the movie Home Alone. I, I love Home Alone 1 and 2. I can't comment on the other ones. Sometimes that, that says Deuteronomy 29. Why would they make number 3 and 4 without the... All right. But 1 and 2 are safe, okay? and 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 in, in, in Home Alone number two, uh, there's this moment, right, where we see Kevin. He's following his family. The, the previous year he was left home alone. Now he's back with his family. They're on their Christmas trip heading to Florida. They're in the airport. He's following along, and then he stops for a moment. He pulls out his little recording thing, and he realizes the batteries are gone. So he looks in his dad's pack, and he's grabbing the batteries, and he's stopping. Everybody's moving on, and he changes the batteries. and Then he realizes, like, oh, snap, where's my family? in the middle of this crowded airport and he sees somebody who had a similar coat to his dad and he goes, oh, I'm just gonna catch that guy. So he runs to catch up to this guy to the point where he smashes into the lady checking in the boarding passes. She throws the boarding passes everywhere and she just says, get on the plane, little man. He hops on this plane, right? He's on the plane and he's like, mm, okay, I don't see anybody but I guess I'll just take my seat. As the plane lands, right, he he gets off the plane. He finally approaches the man in the airport that had the coat. And he says, hey, dad. And he turns around and he says, that's not my dad. And he has this sinking feeling in his stomach, right? Can you see it? He approaches the ticket counter and he says, ma'am, what city are we in? Hoping that she would say, you're in Florida. And she says, son, you are in New York City. And, and this, is the, this is the picture in the airport. I'm going to show you the picture. He sits down and he says, what just happened? This could be, if you miss this, right, this question has, has eternal implications, right? It's not just missing your city. It's, it's you don't want to have this feeling and you say, hold up, this is supposed to be heaven. This don't look like heaven. I, I thought I was saved. I thought I was on the right plane with the right dad. You, you could be on the wrong plane this morning, following the wrong father, lowercase f, and wind up with that plane landing in a place that you didn't realize you were heading to. What a horrific story if you get this question wrong. I'm glad that we've asked this question. I'm glad that there are people in our church that want to know if they can have eternal security. And I believe that the Bible tells us with clarity that we can. I want us to use a passage of scripture that we can camp out on in the book of 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to look at two verses and they'll lead us into our talk this morning. 1 John chapter 3 verses 23 through 24. I love the book of 1 John. If you've never read the book of 1 John, I would encourage you to spend some time in this book. Um, It's a short book. It's five small chapters. It's not John the gospel. It's the same author of a different book in the Bible called 1 John. So the same author of John's gospel wrote this epistle, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Each one gets smaller, so it's okay, you can just keep reading. Um, I read the book of 1 John on the plane this past week when I was traveling back to Vegas and it just took me a few minutes and each, t- each chapter was just rich for me. I would encourage you to read 1 John um, if you get a chance this week. One of the reasons why this letter is popular is because this is the letter that many scholars refer to as the letter that can give us eternal security. Right? If there's a book in the Bible that says, here's the book you wanna study if you really wanna know if you're saved or not study this book so a homework assignment is maybe you would read first john this week monday read chapter one tuesday chapter two wednesday chapter three thursday chapter four friday say chapter five you guys got it right read you can read it in one week if you want to keep reading it all day you can but i was reading this and i came across this this passage these two verses and and it it spoke to me so let's look at first john chapter three verses 23 through 24 if you're ready stay ready If you're hungry for God's word in the house this morning, say, let's eat. eat. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, use the rest of our time to help us know that we're not on the wrong plane. And God, if we are, would you transfer us, God? Would you miraculously move us onto the right destination, God? Onto the right course, the right travel, the right path, God? We don't want to risk it. So open our hearts today, Father, for your glory. Help us to get this right. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, I believe that that the gospel writer John here gives us three points of examination, right? The author Paul says, hey, examine yourself to know if you're saved, to know if you're in the faith, to know if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus. I believe that the Bible teaches us out of this passage three different examination points that we can look to and say, all right, is this me? All right, that's all you have to do. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but maybe you would think about this deeply and you would say, all right. The examination points Pastor Hyden told me to look at, are they real for me or not? If you don't go three for three here, you'll miss it. If you don't go three for three here, you can be assured that you're not on the right plane, all right? That's why I want you to really listen in today. The first thing that we see here in the text is this. The first examination point is to believe in his name. There's something powerful about believing in his name. First John chapter three, verse 23. We just read it. He says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Believe in his name. I've been challenged to really dig deep into the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, is a set-apart name that is reserved for believers in his name, for those who would be saved. We see it all throughout the New Testament. As I've studied, I've realized, man, this is a big deal to believe in his name. Another time in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, we see it here again. I write these things to you who believe in, say it with me, the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Y'all see it with me? John is saying, hey, walk church. I want you to know that you have eternal life. Here's how, here's how you can know. Here's one way at least. That you have come to believe in the name of the Son of God. This name is important. This name is crucial. We don't just see it in the book of 1 John. We see it in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the action of the church, this action-packed moment in the church where we see the action of the believers who have been saved. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 10. We actually read these verses as we were singing our song earlier. It says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Whom you crucified. This is Peter preaching a sermon to the Pharisees. Whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. Right? So so Peter went into the temple. There was a man who was paralyzed laying in front of the temple. The man asked Peter. He said, hey, do you got any silver or gold? I love Peter's words. Peter says, silver and gold I have not. But the name of Jesus Christ. Right? You can be saved. You can rise up. You can be saved healed you can live again you can have a new destiny a new purpose a new plane right here's what he says by him this man is standing before you well let's keep going here right he continues on in this text he says this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you the builders which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation and say these words with me say it, no one else for there is no other name Under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'll tell you what, when I read these three words, must be saved, I don't don't, don't see might be saved. I don't see a good suggestion here, Pastor Dean, right? I don't see something that says, hey, this would probably be a good idea for you. I see must language. (laughs) Like like this right here is significant. Here's why it's so significant, right? Because, Because it's everything that we just talked about says, do you want to make sure you got this right? You must be saved. And there's only one way for this to happen. Salvation and no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In the book of Philippians, it says that God has bestowed upon Jesus the name that is above every single name right? And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So I just, I don't want to just take one part of his name. I want to take his whole entire name, his name, his title, who he is, right? He is Jesus Yahshua. The name of Jesus in the Hebrew Yahshua means salvation. It means one who saves. So the very name of Jesus himself is a saving name. Right, and then he's Jesus the Christ, the Hamashiach, the Messiah. Right, the one who saves. Why did people want the Messiah to come so bad? You know why? They wanted to be saved. They wanted to be saved from Roman oppression. They wanted to be saved from their sins they couldn't defeat. They wanted to be saved for eternal purposes, and they called upon the Messiah. So, Yeshua the Messiah, who is the Lord. The, the name Lord is so significant in the Old Testament, in the OT. The name Lord is only given to the Lord. And so God has taken his name, Lord, and bestowed it upon his son, Jesus, the Messiah, and has now called him his Lord. He called him the Lord, right? So even David in, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 100, he says it like this. He says, hey, look, people call me Lord, lowercase l, but I know who my Lord is. Right, like, I'm not the Lord. I'm a Lord. In other words, I'm a boss. I'm the lowercase king of Israel. But even there's a king above the king. And that's the Lord. And God has chosen to put lordship on his son. A couple reasons why God would do that. One, because he's the son. Like, he is the son of the living God. Right? Jesus Christ is 100% man. Get this, church. He's 100% God. In one. He, he is human. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He, he, he knows what pain feels like. He knows what betrayal feels like. He knows what temptation feels like. For he has been tempted in all ways as we have. Yet, he's God. He never sinned. He's worthy of that name. There's only one name for you to be saved. Look, don't, don't put your confidence in somebody else's name. That's a bad bet. You want to put your confidence in his name. I was at a conference this past week and was hearing some of the finest preaching in our day. I was sitting next to a guy, just introduced myself. And uh, I said, hey, my name's Hyde. I'm from Las Vegas. I'm a pastor of an awesome church. And he said his name and what he does for a living. He serves at a church. He says, I'm, what I do in my profession is I'm a lawyer. And I said, man, that's awesome. And he looks at me, he goes, you know, Jesus is a lawyer. I never really thought about it like that. He goes, who do you think's making our case before the Father? He's <laughs> like, man, he's like, you show up and you're guilty, right? And I'm like, right. And he's like, yeah, you need Jesus to say, like, not guilty. <laughs> like, I, I died for him, right? I was like, brother, I need to repent. <laughs> like, right now, I needed that word. I needed that. He goes, yeah, Jesus is the best lawyer. He, we, we follow the best lawyer, right? Come on. We learn from the best. They would send lawyers to try to stump Jesus, and Jesus would ask them questions. He's that good. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the King. He's the lawyer. He's our advocate before the Father. As Satan comes up to try to condemn you, Jesus says, It's mine. That's why I died. That's why I rose. That's the gospel. It's the gospel. So therefore, don't step into the courtroom without the lawyer. Like Who's going to defend you? Your good works? Right? Like like some murderer steps in the courtroom and he's like, well wait judge, before I did that I had a lot of good works. Does it even matter at that point? No. Right? You You need somebody to say, I'm taking his place. And that is Jesus. The Savior. The Messiah. The Lord. That's why Peter writes in that In that book, in Acts, that's why he preaches, right? He preaches this message. He goes, salvation's in no one else. There's no other name that we must be saved. Like, you can't get saved by Haydn's name. You can't get saved by your parents' name. You can't get saved by your friend's name. You can't get saved by your favorite artist or musician's name. You can only be saved by one name. It's Jesus' name. If we were to just weave in some other religions, that's where they miss it. The Mormon faith misses true Christianity because they believe that they can add their works to his name. So it's not just I'm saved by his name, I'm saved by his name and everything that I do. That's adding to the gospel. And once you add to the gospel, you get no gospel at all, right? It's no longer a gospel. That's where, that's where Islam fails because it says, hey, you know what, it's not just the name. You gotta add your good works. And if you don't do it perfectly and you don't do it to to his liking or his standard then you're not getting in through hinduism and buddhism and all the other world religions fail is because there's not a name that can save there's only one name who lived a sinless spotless perfect human godly life and that's where we put our hope in that's why we're singing we're singing to that name amen do you get me You feel me? You got a choice to make to believe in that name, right? And the word believe, right, it means to rest your everything upon. Like, for example, a chair, right? When you sit down in a chair, you got faith right now in a chair. Did you know that? Did you think about if that chair is going to hold you up? No, because you got faith, it's going to hold you up. Someone pull that chair, right? Oh, that's a picture of faith, that you're leaning your entire weight upon Jesus, he's going to hold me up. He will hold me fast. My whole weight is upon that name. That's the name that's going to get me in. It's like, it's like having a, 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 a check, right, um, that, that is too much for your bank account, but somebody that has that amount signs that check. I'll put my name on it. Everything changes, right? You take, you take that name to the bank of heaven. Jesus' name. Jesus signed my check. Jesus died my death. Jesus rose again. I believe in a risen Christ, and that's why I'm here, and that's why we can know if we believed in his name that we are saved, but there's two more ingredients to the examination process, because maybe today you would say, well, I got that one right. I have believed in his name. I don't just believe in God. That can mean anything, Right? for majority of my life, basketball was my God, lowercase g, right? But is your God named Jesus Christ the Lord? That's a question that you need to ask. Let me give you your second area of examination. Are you walking in love? Are you walking in love? So it's one thing to believe in his name. It's a whole other thing to now live out his name by walking in love. In 1 in John, he says, God is love, right? So by believing in his name, you're believing in love. It says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We got that right. And love one another. Notice how the two commandments are are joined up together. He says, you can't just believe in the name of his son and not love each other. Friends, I'm the mailman. I didn't write this. I just want to share it with you is all. The ESV Study Bible, which I am a big fan of, I shared that last week, um, says it like this in the notes. John states explicitly that genuine love for other believers is a right ground for assurance of genuine belief. The presence of this love will provide right grounds for assurances that face of in the face of uncertainty and feelings of condemnation. So, so when you have feelings of uncertainty, am I saved? Feelings of condemnation. I don't know if I'm, if I'm really legit or not. Here's one way that you can ask. Here's one way you can examine. How, do I love people? Does the love I have from, for the Father now translate into one another? It's something that is a mandate in the Bible. This is how we can know if we're saved, if we don't just love God, but we love people. Not only will you know that you're legit, but other people will know too. Let me show it to you out of John chapter uh, 12, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This is coming from Jesus, right? Stay with me. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now by this All people, everybody say all people, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how are people going to recognize if you're the real deal or not? Ask the word. How are they going to know? How are they going to know that you're a disciple? It's by the way we love each other. There's something about having this radical love for your neighbor that people define that, people associate that with the, the, the real Jesus. One of the most convicting quotes I've ever heard was from Gandhi, right? The the monk. And he once said it like this. He said, you know what? I love your Jesus. I just can't stand your church. Right? And, and, And this was in the context of because there's no love. Like oftentimes the church, the big C church is known more for our divisions than for our unity. Like we've missed it here. And so I pray that in our church that we would have a culture of love. Like you would, you would be a part of the Walk Church family. It would be evident that this is a loving church, that we love one another. We love our neighbor. We love our city. We love people. It's about love, family. It's not just believing in his name, but it's, it's loving one another. And fa- friends, it's not just about loving one another as if that's all you need. It's about loving each other and believing in his name believing should lead to loving. Because you believe in Jesus so much, you love people that are unlike you. You love people that are different races than you. You love people that have different things in common than you. You love people that don't look like you, right? Like the church should be a melting pot of people because we're defined by his love, not our preferences. Amen? right not by our the, the things that we have thought in our head to be true and right that's not why we should exist we should we should be known for our love it's on display we see it in the book of first john chapter 4 verse 20 through 21 you'll see this if you read this book first john chapter 4 is the love chapter if anyone says i love god you ever heard say, i love god and hates his brother he's a liar call him out just say dude you're a liar You have full authority from God's word to call that person a liar. John says he's a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this this commandment we have from Him: whoever loves God must also love his brother. Notice the word that Jesus uses here through the Gospel of John. He says, "This is a commandment. This is not a suggestion." this is a commandment. And so when we do our examination, right, when you do your examination, say, you know what? Checkbox. I believed in his name, but do I love my brother? Do I love my sister? Maybe you need to ask people. You know what? I'm going to do that this way. I'm going to ask some people that are closest to me. I'm going to say, I'll say, hey, you know what, Tony, as you looked at my life, does it seem like I love people? Ask the people that are, not, not yes men, right? Yes men are just gonna say, yes, of course. I don't want conflict or controversy, whatever you say, it's all good, love you. That's not love, that's fake. Right, Proverbs 28 verse four says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Better is for you to tell me the truth because you love me than hide the truth from me and let me look foolish, right? Ask the people closest to you and say, hey, when you look at my life, does it look like I really love people? Or does it look like the opposite? That, that, the answer to that question can help you determine your eternal destination. But let's not isolate just one of these examinations, right? They all go together. Believing, loving, all work together. Let me go ahead and lead us into the last point before we close today. Not just walking in love, but being filled with His Spirit being filled with his spirit. As we get ready to close, we'll look back at our verses of scripture in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. Here's how it reads. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. We got that, right? Y'all with me there up to that point? We got a little bit more left. Just as he has commanded us, verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. That's evidence, if you're a believer, does God live in you, right? And by this, we know that He abides in us. Remember, we want to know, right? The word know determines security. This is how we know that that He lives in us, by the Spirit, capital S. Everybody say, capital capital S. By the Spirit, whom He has given us. By the Spirit, Whom he has given us. You cannot be saved without the Spirit of Christ in you. I like how the revivalist D.L. Moody once said it. He said, You might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You might, it's not gonna happen, friends. Can't happen. You are in a desperate need of a filling from the Spirit of God Himself. It's what you need. You've got to have it. It's a non-negotiable. You cannot negotiate with the Father in heaven and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I loved people. I believed. I just rejected His Spirit. I <laughs> just don't want the Spirit of God living in me. First John chapter 4, verse 13 says it like this. Come on, we're still in 1 John. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Again, I want to highlight the word know. How do you know? How do you know if you're really doing this thing called Christianity? Has the spirit of God filled you? Are you walking by his spirit? He's given us his spirit. It's an examination. Do you feel like the spirit of Christ lives in you? Once upon a time, Jesus had a conversation in the evening time with a man named Nicodemus in the the gospel of John in chapter 3. I I would encourage you to to revisit it in John chapter 3. And I'll just read one verse from the conversation, John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, later in in, in verses 6 and 7, he clarifies what that word born again means. He says, if you're not born again by his spirit. The reality is we're born with a dead spirit. We're born with a stone cold heart. Like spiritual things just, kink, hit your heart. They they don't sink through. We're dead. Ephesians 2, right? We we walk through that heavily. Ephesians 2. Verse 5, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, our hearts were cold, but God has chosen to give us his spirit, and by his spirit, we can live again. And it's not just a worldly spirit. It's not just some random spirit. Friends, this is the holy spirit, right? I want you to be familiar with the spirit of holiness, right? And it's not just this idea of, hey, we need to We need to be happy and we need to be Christian. We need to be holy. And that will inform our happiness as Christians. Couple verses before we close. I just want you to hear me on this before we finish up here. On Romans chapter eight, verse nine through 11, Paul writes to the Roman church. And he says, you, everybody say you. You. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, capital S. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, again, examination language, right? He's saying, if you've been born again, if the Spirit really does live in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Did y'all catch that? That's heavy right there. I don't want you to not belong to Him. Well, how can I belong to Him? Do you have the Spirit of Christ? But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life. When we have the spirit of Christ, we have the spirit of life because of righteousness. His righteousness becomes in us, right? And our sinfulness is imputed to him on the tree. His righteousness is imputed to us. That's the spirit of life. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Friends, we need to be filled with the spirit. A-, a church that believes in the name of Jesus, walks in the love of Jesus, but also is filled with the spirit of Jesus. Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, don't get drunk with wine, right? Like as, that could, as, if, as if that could fill you, right? Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit if you really want to turn up. If you really want to have a real life of significance. If you really want to do something that matters. If you really want to make a difference. Or do you want to stay down here? You could stay down here and you can play in the mud. Or you can enter into the ocean of God's grace where you could actually be filled with His Spirit. As our worship team begins to come up now, we're going to get ready to close with one more song of praise. And here's what I want to remind you. That this morning, here's the reality. Are you ready? Everybody put your eyes on me. I want you to hear this. I want you to listen to this. Today could be your day. The good news of the gospel is that people could be born again into a relationship with Jesus in a moment that's the power of the gospel you don't have to work for it think about consider the man on the cross the thief on the cross the moment that he put his faith in Jesus he went to the cross slandering you're not the son of God you can't do nothing get us out of here if you could, he said they were cursing at him they were reviling him but the moment where he looked over and he said I believe born again whole past washed away Jesus doesn't make, the lawyer, the lawyer looks at him and says, I got the authority to say this right here, today you'll join me in paradise, man, today you're going to get on the plane with me, give you a new destination, even while you're dying on the cross, come on, that's the gospel, today could be your day, here's what that looks like, for you to believe in his name, for you to say, Jesus now, fill me with your spirit, so I could have the fruit of the Spirit, which looks like loving one another, agape loving one another. Not just futile love or just just feeling love. Feelings come and go with the wind, but agape, I choose to love you because Christ loved me. The last verse I'm going to read to us right now comes from the book of Luke, and I'm going to close in prayer. Luke chapter 11. Check this out with me. I I want you to read it off the screen with me, okay? You ready, church? Jesus says it, imagine Christ speaking his very word to you in this moment. He says this to you, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, Jesus just straight calls us out, right? He's like, you guys are straight up evil. And if you who are, even you get that, right? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, read this with me, church, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will he fill you? Am I making this up? He'll do it if you by faith ask him. Say, Jesus, I believe in your name send me your spirit i want to be born again i want to live in your love i want to know that i'm saved if you can go three for three here you're saved saved don't let anybody tell you anything different but live a life with these three in front of you believe i'm today i need to believe on the name of the savior today i need to walk by the spirit today i need to be filled with his love